in the climate crisis, like we need to be really careful to not alienate people. And we talk a lot about indigenous knowledge. And really, when I was when I was making the films with the farmers, like some of the farmers are from that land for generations. They speak the language of the land. They know every rock and every feature and what that's called in, in Irish. And it's so powerful to hear them talk about the land. So, you know, they like so many of the farmers that I've worked with are really guardians of the land. They absolutely love it. They love it like their family, like their children. And they feel like they're it's their job to protect it. What if we used art to fuel our imagination and create vision around the solutions of how to deal with climate change, a topic that is quite overwhelming for most of us? That is the mission of my guest today, Lisa Fingleton. Lisa is an artist, a filmmaker, a writer, and a grower of fruits and vegetables, which she does with her partner on a 19-acre organic farm on the stunningly beautiful west coast of Ireland. Lisa has spent the last two decades cultivating this deep-rooted connection between art and food and farming, and she uses these tools to foster really a sense of connection to the urgency around food insecurity, the climate crisis, biodiversity loss, and the related forced migration that comes along with the other issues. Now, calling herself an artivist, Lisa engages in projects with the Government of Ireland, with the Irish Museum of Modern Art, and with other artists to help people relate to and better understand the challenges that farmers, and ultimately all of us, face in this new reality we live in. Lisa is a breath of fresh air, bringing a gentle, more intimate way for all of us to relate to something we tend to want to look away from, but we can't afford to. I know you're really going to enjoy this conversation with the artist and world changer, Lisa Fingleton. Hello, Lisa Fingleton. How are you? And welcome to the podcast. Hello, Deborah. How are you doing? Uh, <laughs> it's great. It's great to meet you. I, you're my second Irish person from who lives in Ireland, who I've uh, interviewed. And for me, it's like a total treat. So thank you. I'm excited for that alone. Um, and as your voice gives away, if I hadn't just done so, um, you are from Ireland. You currently live in Ireland. Absolutely. Um, the West Coast, right? You're off the West yeah. Coast, mm -hmm. County Kerry. Is that where you are? All right. And you are uh, an artist, a filmmaker. Uh, you and your partner live on an incredible night, looks to me incredible, 19 acre organic farm in, in the West of Ireland. Um, looks very cold, I have to say, from your film. So is it? Is it very cold? Is it, <laughs> it as cold as it looks? Wet. Today it's wet and lots of days are quite wet. Yeah. 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 It looks wet, windy and cold, but spectacularly beautiful. So um, it makes up for whatever you have to put up with, I suppose. Um, and so what I'm really eager to discuss, though, today is your art and how you have incorporated it with awareness raising around and solution raising around climate change. Mm -hmm. And that's really going to be this, this activism and how you combine it with all your activities and your proclivities and, and bring it into something actually so beautiful instead of something scary. So that's uh so I guess, is it fair to say that you're bringing like um, imagining solutions to the climate crisis with your art? Is that, how you would characterize it or how would you characterize what you are doing? I suppose, I suppose it's bringing maybe imagination and vision to a problem that can be quite overwhelming, but it's to look at how can we imagine a different future or how can we maybe imagine the solutions? I, I don't necessarily think it's artists' responsibility to enact all the solutions, but I definitely think we can help to work with communities to to imagine what they might be and they they could inform policy then and, and and action. I think that I think the action part is very important. Yeah. Well, but it's it's very interesting because honestly I haven't heard much about this field before or this idea or this imagining. Did you come to this on your own or was this part of the projects that you're involved in? 
Um, I suppose my partner and I, in terms of action, I suppose we, nearly like 20 years ago, 18 years ago, we decided that we wanted to kind of work on the land and and live as self-sufficiently and as sustainably as possible. So Mm. we were trying to imagine for ourselves what that might look like. And so that's how our project, The Barn Away, came about. But then in terms of specifically, in terms of my more professional arts practice, um, the government of Ireland set up a a pilot project called, you know, a Creative Climate Action Fund, which was a really novel idea. As far as I'm aware, it's probably the first in, in the world. And it was to support artists to spark imaginations around, you know, our future in terms of climate change and biodiversity loss as well, and what artists could contribute to that. So in a way, it was really brilliant because I looked at this job description and I thought, wow, that's what I'm doing. And now they recognize that this is actually a job. <laughs> Children sometimes say to me, ah. paid to do this. Like, is this actually your job? You you grow food and you make art. Like, that's a cool job. And I'm like, yeah, it is a cool job. <laughs> well, it didn't come out of nowhere. <laughs> no, it didn't come out of no. nowhere. In fact, um, yeah, I definitely want to get dig deep into the that whole project. But um, before we do, I'm just curious how, so neither your partner or you had been farmers before? No, actually, I grew up on a farm. Oh, you did? Yeah, we did. We did a long, we did a long history uh, of, of farming. So I grew uh, up on a farm near Dublin, so about maybe seventy kilometers from Dublin, fifty miles. And mm-hmm. so my parents were really self-sufficient when we were kids. Oh. Um, so my dad grew most of our food. My mom, like really creative, used to make our clothes and they uh, made our toys. They like they were really really creative people. And and Rena grew up. In, as, as a market gardener in Ballybunion, the town where we now live. So her grandmother um, and her uncle and everybody grew food and they used mm. to sell food from the back of a pony and trap. Imagine like a pony the, and cart. The back of a, oh, a pony, pony and, and cart. Lots <laughs> <laughs> of your listeners wouldn't know what that is. <laughs> no, I know. I'll, I'll have to catch you on some of your, uh, some of your terminology. In fact, um, the barn away is the name of your, is that the name of your farm or is that just the name of the project? The, that's the name of the project. The, the, the okay. land, really interestingly, is called Barna. And Barna in Gaelic means gap. And oh, it's okay. The, the Barna Darig is actually the name of the land here. And that means red gap. And that's because of the hawthorn trees, we reckon. There's beautiful hawthorn berries. Mm. They're red berry that come in the fall. Um, so it's really nice. We felt like... We tried to think of loads of different names for the actual projects that we run here, but yeah. it kept coming back that it had to be called the Barn Away and that idea that you there's a way of being in the world that maybe is is hopefully quite peaceful and connected with nature. And we've also yeah. made a way, but we can talk about that later. Well, yeah. I was I was actually surprised that so many people speak. I don't know if you say Irish or Gaelic. Do you pronounce? Do you say Irish? What do you say? I would say or, Irish, I suppose, it, or Gaelic. Yeah. You know, Gaelic, depending yeah. where you are. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I think it's like half nearly half the country speaks it correct i mean as a at least as a second language if not a first yeah it would be a second language and we don't mm. learn it in school so oh you do yeah so most people learn it from the age of like could be child like from a baby I to see. 18 yeah at least well it's, it, it's a pretty tricky one as far as i could see just trying to i was trying to look up different things like barna and and so forth and yeah it, it's a more complex language than i than i knew you it's don't very, hear it much. Very different to English. Very different to English. Very yeah. different, yeah. 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 And what do you what do you grow on the farm? I'm just very curious. So so we grow um, a lot of like vegetables, mainly like it's it's a horticulture, organic horticulture. So we grow anything we can grow on the farm. We grow mm. like lots of pears and apples and tomatoes, um, salad leaves, um, root vegetables. Mm. Um, yeah, lots of different things. And 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 I suppose. More recently, because of the climate crisis, we've been looking at how could we use our land to um, support nature more. So we have lots of we're kind of keeping our, our meadows as native meadows, you know, so we're supporting the flower growth as opposed to the grass growth. And right. we've also planted half our land in native trees. So native woodland. Ah, That's what the native woodland is. Yes, I saw yeah. a reference to that. Okay, so and no animals. You don't grow animals. I don't know. Not not anymore. Not like not anymore. In the beginning, when we came here first, we were like, oh, what? Like as farmers now, as adults coming back to farming after being away for a long time, what do we do? Hmm. And I suppose a lot of the models of farming are about animals, but we kind of felt more and more that that wasn't really what we wanted to do. Even mm-hmm. though you know, there's a lot of policies and procedures that kind of make make you do that, but we felt that it was it was important to. Um, 
grow more vegetables. And and I suppose as the world is talking about moving more towards a plant based diet, we were thinking, well, how how can we maybe support that? You know. Beautiful. Well, I love I love everything that you're doing. And and I don't know if you're even aware of how we came together, but uh, whether you are or not, it, there was this um, uh, a young man named Dylan who works for the uh, Irish Museum of Modern Art. Do you, do you say do you call it Emma or Emma? Emma. Yeah. Emma. OK. In Dublin. And um, apparently he had seen one of our episodes on um, uh, sustainable environmental couture. And I uh, thought there'd be some symbiosis between the work that, well, so they were preparing to do this festival at the museum called Earth Rising. And he thought that the show would have something uh, in common and have an interest in, in what, and because I think what they do, and I'll have you describe it, is they bring together like 50 artists and scientists and maybe farmers and knowledgeable people in the area and have them all um, talk about climate change and inspire each other for a few days. Is that is that how it? One of you know, take, that's a that's a little uh, bit of a jump where you can take from there to explain a little better. Yeah, I suppose the Earth Rising is now in its second year, and it is run by the Irish Museum of Modern Art, and it's to engage audiences in like looking at creativity and climate and how artists maybe can, as I said, like inspire people and share skills there's a lot of sh- skills sharing mm-hmm. and like you don't have to make ropes this year um oh. you know like i did a, a big project at the national plowing championship that i'm sure we can talk about in a bit but um yeah it's to try and bring a variety of different voices and creativity you know because sometimes mm-hmm. when we're facing maybe a big crisis as as humans we can forget that creativity is so important creativity's got us through so many things as humans and and yeah. I think it's really important to keep it center center stage, you know. I I just appreciate that so much. It it takes so much of the weight off the conversation, doesn't it? When you're talking about how can we bring art into talking about these things like climate change, because I know that, for example, I know that. So the Irish government, I think, is sponsoring this uh, some of these projects, right? With a with a mm-hmm. grant, and yeah. I mean that as a government is so. Um, it's a profound step in the right direction in my mind. I, I looked up after I saw it because I think they gave a $2 million grant or something to bring art and, and inspire artists and embed artists um, in the field so they can present, you know, conversations and um, highlight conversations about how, what we can do about climate change. And I, I looked up because um, I think Ireland and the U.S., we both have made this commitment. Our governments have made this commitment to reducing uh, greenhouse gas emissions by 50 percent by 2030, which is very ambitious. And uh, I think that's what spurred on this. Um, uh, the I don't know what we want to call it. I don't want to say in, in the United States, what it did is I looked up what our government has done because we don't have an earth rising or anything like that, but they did have an art contest. So we are trying to do something similar. It sounds like with um, yeah. inspiring about a hundred artists. So I don't know if that's a global movement. Yeah. And I think, I think what's been interesting about this is that it's very much focused on community. You know, that it's not just about creating a piece of art and leaving it there. It's not about that mm. at all. It's about, it's about creating really strong connections between communities and artists. Mm. And and it's not so much focused on the product of what's being produced, but it's a, it's a really focusing on the process and how, like if you're looking at in the States, you know, are there particular communities, you know, there's, there's lots of communities across the States, whether it could be, you know, farming communities or mining communities or, you know, communities involved in say the more traditional industries that are now going to be impacted in terms of climate change. And they're going yes. to be looking for different types of work and transitioning to a different type of future. So it's how do you work with those communities to really, really meaningfully um, look at how these issues are going to impact them and and how things might be changed for the future. So it's a really kind of a powerful fund to, you mentioned already about artists being embedded and about that idea that artists to, are, are often embedded in communities. So you're actually in the community. And in, in mm-hmm. my case, I've been working on another project now for two years in our own community here in Ballybunion, County Kerry. So that's very exciting. Well, that it is very, very exciting. And, and why don't we just move into that now? Because I think it just uh, is an example for so many things that are needed, like community and 
working together and finding solutions together and then sharing it. So, yeah, do you want to just kind of start at the beginning of what what your role is and, and what the project's about? So would you like me to talk about the previous project or the current project that hasn't started yet? What do you think? Oh, I didn't know there was one that hadn't started yet. Well, let's oh, talk first. Of, uh, def- well, let's save that for future focus. And uh, why don't we talk first about the one I didn't know had been completed either, but I know you've done the finish the film and so forth. So, yeah. Um, so, so I guess um, like a lot of my work is about food and farming and, mm. um, and particularly about local food. So I'm really interested in this idea. So, if if I'm somebody who wants to do something about the climate and I want to do something about food, yes. um, I feel food is a great place to start because we all eat. Well, generally yes. we all eat. So it has I such think an impact really ex- on climate, on the climate it, change. And it's a really yeah. accessible place for people to start, in my mm-hmm. opinion, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I had done a lot of, I'd written a book called The Local Food Project about the impact of what we eat and how it can really help us live more sustainably. Um, I'd also done a project called The Sandwich Project about a, a, the journey of a sandwich and all of these things were kind of happening. And then there was this call out to work with farmers in a beautiful area called Dingle, which is just mm. south of me here in Kerry. And it's a stunning area, beautiful land, beautiful landscape. And what they wanted to do was they wanted an artist to work with 10 farmers, um, a range of farmers. Some of them were sheep farmers, dairy farmers, horticulturalists, um, to to look at how could we work with this group of farmers to transition to the future and what might that look like. Mm-hmm. So we spent a year working with the farmers and we, it was really interesting. And I think it's a really nice model for other people who want to work with communities. Yes. Look at us, you know, really listening to what their experience was. We literally, I was, I, we were trying not to use any carbon to get there. And even though it's mm. a long way from my farm to their farms, I was trying to get a, a public transport bus and mm. cycle or walk to their farms and really listen to what their experience was. So, wow. yeah, it was it was really good. So I visited all the 10 farms on a few occasions. But then we also went to visit other projects that we thought were inspiring for them. So we visited other places who'd maybe diversified into ecotourism or who had planted trees or who had done really interesting thing like making yogurts out of their milk as opposed to just selling the milk on to somebody else. Do you know that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, so it was really, and then well, but because of that, pro- oh, sorry, go on. No, no, keep going. I'm yeah, on. and then because of that project and because I'd been doing this work about the sandwich project, the journey of a sandwich, I had drawn this really large drawing on one of our national galleries, the Crawford Art Gallery in Cork, and they paid me to do a big commission there to draw a huge drawing. And then Creative Ireland, who work on this fund, they said, how about you and the farmers all come to the National Ploughing Championship? Now, I'm sure you wouldn't know what that is, but it's, no. <laughs> it's one of the largest events in the world. It's like nearly 250,000 people. Really? Come. Yeah, it's huge. I think it's two, two, between 220 and 250. It's a, it's a huge number Amazing. of people who come to this farming event in mm-hmm. September every year in Ireland. And uh, it's certainly it's certainly the largest in, in Europe. Um, and they mm. said to me, would you and the farmers like to draw farmers' ideas on the government of Ireland tent at the you know it's a it's a solid wall against the government of Ireland tent and uh, it's a hundred foot long and you could draw for three days farmers' ideas about climate action and biodiversity loss and I was like yeah why not that sounds fine sounds like a blast <laughs> forgot what the rain I forgot about rain you know I just oh. beautiful and sunny for the first two days yeah but it was such a um, but again it was about listening it was about saying listen, there's going to be thousands upon thousands upon thousands of farmers. Obviously, we could only talk to a few hundred. But mm-hmm. if you could do anything, what would you do? So we drew Interesting. Um, their ideas. And and I think in the beginning, the farmers were like, well, get rid of the red tape, get rid of the bureaucracy. And I drew up some of those things. But then I was like, well, really, like, what are the positive ideas? So once yeah. they saw we were serious about jotting down their ideas, they really came back again and again and said, listen, what about this? What about this? What about this? So we did fill the wall. And we called it the creative climate wall in the end. And that's all well documented on my website and, mm-hmm. and, and different places that people yeah. can have a look if they're interested in that. And I, I'll, I'll put links to, to all your work, to your films and, and yeah. to, the, to that and, and to everything you're doing, because it's, it's all fascinating for people. Yeah. And you mentioned the film. So, so after that, yeah. the plowing. So this was a huge wall, which mm-hmm. then went to the festival that you mentioned, the Earth Rising Festival in Emma. Mm-hmm. Because I suppose that's the thing about art, isn't it? Once you start on a journey, an idea, 
then it seems to feed itself. It almost yes. keeps going. Take, it develops its own life. And yeah. were, were people coming and talking about what they saw in there? Did you Were you watching how people interacted? Oh, yeah. At the Plowing Championship, we had huge interaction. Actually, it was, we needed, we had about 10, 12 people working on the wall. It was just because there were so many people. Yeah. Um, and then we brought it to the Museum of Modern Art. So it was dismantled and reinstalled in the Irish Museum of Modern Art. And that was really interesting because a few people have come up to me since and said, like, quite a few people and said, you know, I really, I met the farmers in the museum and I mm -hmm. had really good conversations about food and I changed my course or I changed what I was doing. Really? That yeah, quickly? Please. Amazing. This was like a couple of months later when I met them, they were like, I went oh, back I see. and I changed my, my elective. Or oh I, my gosh. You know, yeah. And then the museum also, um, because they did a, because there was this, the whole thing about, you know, do we go vegan? Do we go plant-based diet? And a lot of our farmers are dairy farmers and their milk, you know, they produce milk and they were like, but if you do that all of a sudden, then right. that, yeah. what happens to farming in Ireland or what yeah. happens to farming around the world if we... Yeah. And in Ireland, only only one percent of our farms grow vegetables. So if Ireland was to go vegan in the morning, our whole farming industry would collapse because we're not catering for a vegan diet at the moment. I see. I see. So, oh, yeah. um, you know, I, I think that the and, and we'll talk about that film and maybe if people can watch it, I'm not sure if it's accessible, the film that you made about and we mm -hmm. I don't know if we've even actually quite gotten to talking about the film as much. But um, I, mean, I found personally those stories that you covered from those farmers and you're embedded with them for a year and you, and, and we can talk about that film that first of all, the photography is just mind blowing. I don't think people will understand how beautiful Ireland is until they see it's just crazy. But, um, but to actually, you know, farmers aren't traditionally the most um, on the progressive end of things. You know, they've been doing the same thing for hundreds of years. A lot of the farms have been in the families. My family has a farm. My my cousins still have a farm in County Cork, a dairy farm my grandfather was born on. So I know from my own family that generations and generations and generations, and yes, you might upgrade how you do things, but um, you went in with, with, you know, arguably people who would be considered maybe more conservative in terms of tradition. And everyone came, I mean, the, the growth that they had, it seemed to me, by watching your film, the growth that they had from just getting together and hearing one another's ideas about but what they could do to protect their land, to preserve their land for future generations, um, to hear the stories from one another of what, how weather is impacting people, how climate change is impacting them. Today, you know, I think today we aren't always aware, we hear storms and so forth, but it's been impacting farmers' life first and foremost around the world. So, they're very aware, maybe more aware than most people. And and they're taking steps. And it was just so interesting to look at, yeah, they're not going to change from being a dairy farm to being a, a vegan farm or whatever overnight. But they're they're going to take the steps that are necessary to, to make a difference. I found it very inspiring, very educational and very hopeful. Yeah. And so with the film that you're talking about, Voices from the yes. Field, that came yeah. from that project. So we did the project in the Museum of Modern Art and that really excited people. You know, they felt like, oh, that was first. To talk to people. Yeah. So the, I see. Because of that, because mm -hmm. of that, we went home and they were like, you know, something, if people could actually hear our voices directly, oh. then we might have an impact because people really enjoyed hearing our voices at the plowing and they listened at the Irish Museum of Modern Art. So why don't we try and make a film? So that's how that film that you're referring to came about. And then we felt because the project was very much about about trying to be fair and trying to give everyone an equal voice that we everybody had seven, eight minutes in the film to talk mm -hmm. about what they felt was important. And, and you know, I think in the climate crisis, like we need to be really careful to not alienate people. And right. we talk a lot about indigenous knowledge. And really when I was, when I was making the films with the farmers, like some of the farmers are from that land for generations. Mm -hmm. They speak the language of the land. They know every rock and every feature and what that's called in, in Irish. And it's so powerful to hear them talk about the land. So, mm. you know, they like so many of the farmers that I've worked with are really guardians of the land. They yes. absolutely love it. They love it like their family, like their children. And yes. they feel like they're it's their job to protect it. So, so I think that's why this project was so successful, possibly because we tried to honor that and we tried to go like, tell us what your experience is and tell us what you think needs to happen. Yeah. 
Very uniting, very uniting. And you're right, very authentic to hear that, like you said, indigenous knowledge um, and shared with people and and the love that they have for the land. It's really, you know, there's one thing, one man was talking about the fruit that they grow and how if there's even the slightest blemish that you're not able to sell it. And it made me so sad because that they, no one really understands what happens on a farm and how the food here, we have something called ugly fruit, which you can buy a service to, and they ship you all the fruit that's been damaged. It's a little bit of a discount. And people love that because I think there's a thirst to get back to that, but um, to get back to the truth. Why do we call it ugly fruit? I know, but you know what? It gets people's attention. It's a terrible name, but you know, to people, if it has a blemish, it's ugly, but everyone, you know, at least if it gets their attention and people buy it anyway, then I I guess that's a good thing. But there's no such thing as ugly fruit or ugly vegetables or ugly trees. (laughs) Anyway. um, So yeah, are people able to watch that film? Because some of it is in Gaelic or in Irish, um, but you have subtitles for that. Yeah. so what, what we've done is it's the trailers and the, at the moment this week, the trailers and the documentary about the film and everything is available on my website so people can look at that. And also mm-hmm. on the Dingle Hub and Creative Ireland website so we can we can have links to that. Okay. And yeah. then the really great news is it's going to be shown on our national broadcaster. So... Um, so that, so that that will be available on their player um, over the next couple of weeks as well. Is that something, though, because what you're learning and what you're working on in all your projects, they are local. That's the beauty of them. They're, they're as local as they can be, but they are instructive for the whole world. So is there a way that that, that will be shown maybe at a you know, at, at film festivals or so forth? Because it's a powerful and, and yeah. helpful. It's 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 really like in a way that film is is kind of totally international because I think people Very. relate to it all over the world and you know Vandana Shiva whom I love Indian activist and you know she's mm-hmm. a feminist writer farmer yes. um she's a farm activist and um, she's really interesting but she she talks about that the fact that the majority of the food still is being produced by small farmers mm-hmm. we're sold this myth that we need to be have all this big monocultural you know agricultural systems but actually small mm-hmm. farmers are are still feeding the world and will continue to feed the world so i think what's lovely about the films is that they do really speak to that across the planet and yeah. the thing about it is i find that you, you really need assistance i've realized as an artist because you make yes. a film and then you're on to the next project and then you need somebody to actually yes. you know, put those into film festivals or follow up because it takes so much time to get something out globally. And that's why I'm really interested in the, the fact that we're, we'll have the national broadcaster and it will be available online and hopefully available in different jurisdictions that people will be able to watch it. And people can also contact me and, and arrange a screening. You know, we can do that mm-hmm. too. Oh, so That's what's very exciting too about films yeah. is that they can travel. So, yes, and they can. So maybe we can talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to be, I would love to participate in, in something like that. Yeah. Um, so, so what is your now, uh, what are you working on? You said you have a new project, but so did you just finish that film? That film is, is that, just new. Yeah. That film is just this oh. year. And uh, yeah. So it's, it's just new and we've been organizing events in different galleries in different uh, cities to uh, try and get people to have the conversation. Cause that's what's nice about screenings. You know, we can look at things online, but actually the power uh, is the first screening, you know, we did like a hundred, I think we well, we did full capacity. So it was over a hundred people. And then the second one was 120 people. And uh, the conversation is really rich in that environment. Then you really get to hear people's questions, hear people's responses. And um, it's, it's really good. But obviously having things online then makes it available to a wider audience again. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's, um, so that's they really exciting. Different benefits, but I, I do think that, you know, and, and, and in fact, one of the things that every single farmer said that I, and every single vignette was the community that it brought to them and how, because it is lonely being a farmer. Yeah. You have this huge land and you're working so many hours a day that the opportunity to gather has, has maybe diminished. Yeah, and I'm this so- re- there was a lot of joy from every single person in talking about what they're learning from other farms. Even if they're a vegetable farm and somebody else is a dairy farm, yeah. it didn't matter. And I think that's farm. what that's maybe that I'm really glad you picked up on that. And I think maybe that's what you're mm. doing with your podcast as well. You're you're trying to bring people together with a common cause. 
and and I and I like that about what you're doing because the farmers all said that that was the commonality. It, you know, they learned loads, but actually, what they valued most was the fact yes. that we were making friends. And like, you know, it sounds like we talk about making friends when we're children, but actually, as adults, we've become so isolated, and we're all on our so, phones, and we say, "Oh, we're right. communicating." Well, are yeah. we really communicating, sending yeah. emojis and, you know, spending all this time on, on screens? Yeah. And, and that was the joy, the joy of going to visit people's farms, making food and bringing it neatly together, making art together, drawing together, going to the National Plowing, going to the Museum of Modern Art. Yes. We're still doing all that. We're still meeting each other. We all went to the Museum of Modern Art there again this year. Oh, and that's awesome. Fun. You yeah. know, the fun. And, fun, and yes. <laughs> oh, that. <laughs> you know, our uh, <laughs> the Surgeon General, which I, I you don't I don't know if you have an equivalent in Ireland, but it's like the highest medical person in our government. And they usually set the agenda for what what is wrong with the country, like the greatest concerns, like what used to be smoking and then of course COVID and everything. But but now the number one concern in our country is uh loneliness and isolation. Yeah. And they are literally naming it and saying we have to address this issue and because you can you're doing it in such a organic way not to keep using that word but you know because you're working on a project together that helps all of them but it helps them in in that way as well so yeah. i think it's really an important important it's lesson. so important and that's another reason why i like to work with food because food mm -hmm. is something that like i do uh or i used to do i i haven't done it i didn't do it this year but i for seven years i did a local food challenge where i only ate local food inspired by barbara uh, king's Culver where mm -hmm. she did that challenge for a year, eating local food. But the idea oh, that you can bring people together to eat local food, maybe in your local community, that, you know, pe people across, you know, America in this instance, maybe could start looking at, well, what food is growing in my community? And could we maybe in September in harvest season, try and make meals together that's actually celebrating mm. the local food? Because ultimately, I love the expression, you know, if you... Every every euro or every dollar you spend tells the world how you want it to be. Yes. And if you're spending your dollars or your euros supporting local growers, you're enabling that grower to stay growing. Yeah. And I know that was a concern of one of the farmers was that pretty soon vegetable farmers may be gone from Ireland because everything's being imported. And then, of course, that that brings with it the cost of, you know, climate change. You, you're, you're, you're spending more on your you're creating more greenhouse gas emissions every time you buy something from another country. So, you know, the push, and I, and I hope the Irish government is uh, as uh, invested as um, the farmers are on, on supporting local growers so that that won't become an issue, you know, and it's a very mixed bag in our country. So I'm not sure. Well, it's interesting. You, you mentioned him. Aidan O'Connor was the farmer that you're talking about there. And he he was the only grower that we had out of our 10 farmers. And he went out of business. He, he stopped growing. I'm just sorry since that was that that is bad news. Was that yeah. just last last year? Since yeah, then? yeah. this year he's he was growing since he was 13. Yeah. Can you explain to me that that breaks my heart? Absolutely. I I. Well, you I think about it. I have a drawing here. We all think this is that the one of one of the drawings here. Like, is you know, like there's no such thing as cheap food. You know, we think like that's the thing that's probably been sacrificed most in our lifetime. That the price of food is not the real price of food. Right. So we would we spend more on our phones now than we do on our food, even per year. Like people spend more on their phones. Wow. <laughs> you know. So we but we've we've got wow. so we're advertised to so much that we think that that's normal, but that isn't normal. And that is not sustainable for farmers. So, you know, or even like drinks prices, you know, like say wine or gin and tonics, whatever, that's prices inflating all the time, but food prices hmm. are going down. So a lot of things, I don't know. Artificially. About, oh, completely. They're, they're, yeah. they're sold below cost to bring people in and say, oh, look, you can feed your family on this food. But actually what's happening globally is that the control of food is going to fewer and fewer and fewer com companies. So the same companies now control, you know, the, the the pesticides and the all the things that are used to control food. They control the seeds and they also control the distribution of food. So we really need to protect our food systems if we want to be self-sufficient and have, you know, uh, they call it food sovereignty, you know, going forward yes. that we actually have control of our food systems. So it's it's that is the single biggest thing. So when people say to me, they're buying their local food boxes or they're getting up on a Saturday morning and going down to their farmer's market, 
that is actually a really radical act that needs to happen. And rad- radical comes from the word root. You know, it comes from radix. Mm-hmm. I don't know which way it is, mm-hmm. radix or radix. But it's That's about interesting. the system that you're yeah. actually doing. I can, with whatever little money I have, uh. I can go out and I can support this farmer, this grower, because I understand that this is actually a really important thing to do. This is challenging the food systems that say I have to eat food that's completely pumped with water and wheat and sugar and all things that are causing problems for all of us. And I can go back and have clean food and support someone to grow that. It's really important. I am so appreciative of you just describing that whole uh, scenario and that that what a strong vote that is to buy at a farm. People think sometimes that it's just sort of a fun thing to do it's sort of different or whatever but it's really important and i'm just if you i don't want to belabor this too much but i just i'm very curious i i still don't understand why why would he go out of business why are are they importing it from other countries is that is that who he lost out to well interestingly in the film he talks about like it's like your equivalent of your ugly carrots like he lives in an area called the Maharese, which is now going to be doing another climate project like we did. So it's an, an area of land that's on the sea. So it's it's going to be very oh, impacted by climate yes. change. So if you can imagine, he has carrots growing and they're growing in sand. And when the wind blows, the carrots blow. So the carrots are bendy carrots, you know, and people don't yeah. want to buy bendy carrots. It's like your ugly fruit. And so he's then he thought, OK, well, how do I sell bendy carrots? I make juice. So then he started mm-hmm. juicing. But he also feel, realized, and he talks about this in interviews and different things. He says, like, you know, I, I, I did a, he did a market earlier this year and he was trying to show you, they brought a school group and the children didn't know what tomatoes really were or what turnips were or what, you know, and he was just like, wow, wow. The disconnect. I can't. He was trying to do it because A, he knew how to do it and he was thought it would be good for generations to come to still have Irish grown food. But he was like. I can't do it on my own. I can't do it. I cannot sell a bag of carrots for 49 cents. I just right. can't do it. You know, it, it just doesn't. It's, and I've heard farmers been interviewed where they say it's cheaper to plow the food back into the ground mm. than it is to take it and bag it. So okay. we really need to think about, um, and that is not to not acknowledge the poverty that people are living in, but we could we could stop mm. subsidizing the poisoned food or the food that's not clean and really support the food that is clean and say that we really prioritize, especially people who are living in marginalized communities and say, we need, and we understand that those children and those families need access to this really clean, good food for their health and well-being, And that's where we're going to put our money in the future. That's what we're going to invest in. Well, and and we're, and we're talking about climate change. Um, There's a new film that just came out called, um, Oh my gosh. Common ground. It's just been uh, released in the U S through, I I went to a screening of it, but hopefully it will be very available. Their first one is called kiss the ground. And, Mm -hmm. and, and what you'd learn, and I'm sure you know this already, especially as a farmer is that when we put all those chemicals and the large growers are, you know, tilling the land and putting in the chemicals and um, how much that contributes to climate change and the degradation of the soil. So altogether, there's so many reasons why we have to look at this, the small farmer and and doing things more natural way. We can't, we just can't keep closing our eyes. No, People are very concerned. Like, you know, everyone I talk to has somebody in their family who's been impacted by, by cancer or serious illness. And they're like, how is this happening? And this person might've been a very healthy person. And here is this stuff coming from the atmosphere. And yes, as we speak today, Europe is considering renewing the license for glyphosate. You know, even they though are. we know that it's it's oh. you know what do they call it? Probably carcinogenic by the World Health oh. Organization. So there are the kind of things that even though you know people say oh politics and art shouldn't go together, but I really think oh. we can use <laughs> art and we can use drawing to think about well, is that really what we want for our children for generations to come? That we're seeing our food systems are dependent on this spray of poison into our food. Is that mm-hmm. really what we want going forward? Yeah, and contributing to the greenhouse gases as well. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I'm going to shift us to a happier conversation for a moment, which is, what is your, so tell me about your next, next project because I have no questions for you because I'm not aware of it. So yeah. you can just so this, let her rip. 
so what was fabulous about doing the project with the farmers is that it was it was really successful and and, and we still have a great yeah. rapport and it also the farmers are all doing really exciting things now one of them's involved mm. in wool and how Irish sheep farmers can maybe have a market for their wool because there was no market there's people growing native mm. trees and one of the women farmers she went on to do a sustainable agriculture course and is now running that course so you know it's wow. just been amazing in a couple big of months changes big Huge changes, changes. Yeah, and even like Aiden, who's not growing vegetables himself anymore, he's growing vegetables with somebody else. But he's okay. he's got a solid income now, and he's he's happier about that, you know. And it's um, so it is it is all positive, um, in in some ways. Oh, and I suppose he made the decision. So you're, and then and then because I suppose of the success of that project, our local community here called Ballybunion, which is a seaside town in Ireland, we were thinking, well, what could we do to maybe look at issues around particularly biodiversity and mm -hmm. food systems in our local town to make us more sustainable and um, future-proofed, I suppose, in terms of the future. Yeah. So we've we've been successful in getting a large-scale project for two years to work with, again, a small number of community collaborators to look at what can we do. So we'll be looking at how do we... How do we protect, for example, the seas around us so that oh. they're, they're a good habitat for our dolphin? We've yeah. 140 dolphins living around the the river mm. and the sea here at Ballybunion, and their really? lives become more and more challenged because of climate change and 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 you know rising water yeah. temperatures. But also the food systems then, you know, our maybe our, our our water systems are not as clean as they should be because of runoff from farms or from villages, and that is impacting on our water and. And also what biodiversity do we have living in the area that we need to protect? And how do we mm. how do we make habitats or how do we reinstore mm. habitats um, to make sure that the, the, the that we share this part of the um, world with the creatures? Yes. So it's really exciting. I mean, it's it's yeah. literally just starting. I mean, it was signed off last week, so it's it's brand new. It's called oh. Brilliant Valley Bunyan. So watch this space. <laughs> so what is, is your role as an artist in that in that project? So, so my role as an artist will be doing a lot of drawing. So we'll be we'll be based here on our farm, which is the barn mm -hmm. just outside Ballybunion, and also in the town of Ballybunion. So what we've done is we've built a little eco art center here on our farm, and the people who are involved oh. in the project will be coming here to try and like I suppose connect with nature. And sometimes people can say, "Oh, what's that going to change?" But actually, connecting oh. with nature is so important because so many people don't have that privilege anymore. So many children grow up and they they don't they don't get to lie in a meadow and look up at the sky. I mean, mm -hmm. basic things that we grew up with. Um, yeah. So so it's really so we're going to do lots of drawing projects here. We're going to my partner and I are going to show people how to grow food themselves. We'll be going out on the sea, probably looking at the dolphins and, and looking at the impact of of um, hmm. water pollution, but also, you know, rising water temperatures and all that kind of thing. And then my role will be literally uh, working with people to show them how to draw and use creativity because also it can be a bit depressing. I mean, I know we're a conversation, I'm, we're smiling and we're laughing a bit, but it is very serious and it can be a bit depressing. So how can we use creativity to process the emotion of what we're oh, feeling oh really um, that's interesting yeah. I, I don't know if you've heard of a term there's a term um, by a man called glenn albrecht called solastalgia i've and just I, learned of, i mean i've heard it called eco grief before but yeah. i haven't is that is that the exact is that the translation solastalgia yeah. it means you know the the deep grief we feel when we yeah. see that the our little biosphere around us or the the ecology around us is getting damaged and you know, some people have had that experience already where they're looking at maybe, I, I know people, you know, they look out their window and they had a little meadow and then suddenly some developer gets money for that and, and it, there's no meadow there anymore. And they're like, oh my goodness, this used to have deer and fox and all it sorts takes of things. A, it takes it. a toll on us, you know. It, and it's really good to have a name for that. You know, mm -hmm, I think that nostalgia is. is a really kind of a mix between nostalgia and and, yeah. and else you know um, yeah, but, it's a good word it really is and it i had i think i must have just read it on your website or somewhere something since i've been looking at your work because i hadn't i've heard eco grief but i haven't heard that exact word and that it's so much better because the nostalgia yes, part of it is so big so i'll be working you were asking me what i'll be doing like i'll be yeah. working on work myself like in terms of my studio and trying to process what's going on but i'll also be supporting people to to think about it for themselves and you know I think with this climate crisis, like it's how do we tap into whatever creative, creative gifts we've got? Mm -hmm. So 
all of us have something like I often say to people, do you sing in the shower? And they're like, oh yeah, I sing in the shower, but I don't sing outside the shower. And like, well, maybe you should start singing outside the shower, <laughs> you know, because we all have gifts. Like we all, I believe everyone yeah, is an artist absolutely. and everybody can um, use their creative gifts. So whether it's making a podcast that you might make, you might think I'm concerned about this. What can I do? Will I write mm -hmm. a poem? Will I write to my local newspaper? Will I sing a song? Will I, what will I do? Or how can yeah. I, how can I express this? So I'm mm -hmm. not just adding to the trauma and the upset about it, but I'm actually maybe helping it because I'm, I'm raising awareness about what's happening with the planet and I'm, I'm supporting the planet and I'm supporting other creatures who don't have a voice, you know? Yeah. I think that's the power of art. It it is the power of art, and I think what you've done that that changes you and and you and yours have done that changes the conversation so much. I have not seen this positivity or this uh, expression, you know, using art with climate. I really, I mean, I, I'm I interview people all the time. I read about it. I'm I'm plant based myself. I have been since 2011. I mean, this has been on my mind for many many years. Um, I don't see, I haven't seen much art, you know, maybe a song, but not, not even many songs. Um, so I think it's, in fact, there was a, a, a singer on one of your, uh, where did I see that? A beaut a woman singing with a guitar. It was such a beautiful song. And was it, was it me singing on the phone? Was it me singing the water is wide? I think it was, I don't know. It was a, I don't know. It wasn't you, but, um, uh, I, I, okay. Maybe I, maybe it wasn't part of your, I, as I was searching through some of your, um, your films and your websites, you know, you fall, start following a thread. Um, yeah. there was an Irish woman just singing a guitar, but I can't remember the I name of the song. I think it was Katie O'Connor, maybe. Katie it was, it was. Yeah, yes, it was. Yeah. You. So yeah. I wrote during COVID, I wrote a book called The, the, the Last Hope for a While. So the, yes. this is the one you were talking about. This is it. The local food, The Last Hope for a While. The, so yes, what a again, name. Was like processing. How do we process things? I was like, yes. COVID, we got really sick. My partner still has, you know, implications. Really? From, and, but I just felt like as an artist, I was thinking, I just need to process this. So I, I ended up writing poems, which I've never done before, and writing songs. And Katie O'Connor's mm. a wonderful singer. Oh, beautiful. Yes. And that was a song that I wrote called The Last Hope for a While, you know, um, and, and she sang it. And it was just, oh, um, it was beautiful. Yeah. You know, have you have you uh, done work internationally? I, I feel like your voice is so important and your your ideas are so important. And like I said, I'm just not seeing this this level of uh, combining art with the things that we're. I'm mean, yes with things that we're feeling, but especially with the heartache of the climate and and Earth and everything. Not just the climate change, but like the biodiversity loss. The who knows? Maybe COVID is related to that as well. Um, you know. It's 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 really funny because I mean the I I tried to do the opposite. I'm trying to be present on the land and not travel. I hear that? Yeah. But I but I so that's part of the reason why I wrote the two books. So I wrote the local food project, thinking, wow, I can't keep up with all these requests to go places, and that defeats. Oh. The um. But what I tried to do is I tried to fit yeah. things in. So if I'm asked to go somewhere, I try and fit something else with it, and try and mm -hmm. maximize the audience so that it's at least you know that it's worth the travel. That it, and I don't mean that in any disrespect to the people who turn up, but I mean, oh, no, no. I mean you, if you're going to have an in-person experience, it's good to make yeah. that as big as possible so that you, you impact right. people. And, and I suppose that idea that things can spin off from that, because I do think there is a real value in meeting people. You know, there, there is, is a, but yeah. you know, we are meeting and I think that, and your voice is being, you know, shared now, like not this is the world's greatest, biggest uh, podcast, but but this is the way that you can share. I really appreciate that you are, you know, uh, walking, walking the talk because you're, you're saying it's important to be local and to be working in your local yeah. in, environment. And that is what you're doing. And by traveling, you interrupt that. So, so I appreciate that. Um, but, but even like I said, this is one way to do that is just to share your voice and share these ideas. Yeah, and I think you know, like you can do things in in a in a kind of a concentrated way, you know, like so. Like I had an exhibition last week, but we 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 ended up having the exhibition along with talks, along with workshops for kids, along with workshops for teachers, so that the impact of me being away for a week was, and I, it was only in Ireland, but it was it was just I was away, but I was very conscious that to be away now because 
we have 20 acres here, we have a project here, um, oh, that it really yeah. needs to be quite concentrated and have the maximum impact that it can have. And I suppose that's why people say to me, why do you put so much stuff on your website? Like, why have you got all your, not all your films, but why is there so many films? And I'm because I make mm. them so that people will be able to access them wherever yes. they are in the world. And they don't, don't not everybody has the privilege of transport that they can get to a museum or it's important to me that people can see them. And if people want to see other stuff, they can email me or they can contact me and say, Lisa, you know, do you have other things on this topic? Could I look at it? Because some of them mm -hmm. are private links. There's about 40 films, but a lot of them are still private links, but I can still send them to people if they need them. You know? No, I think that's a wonderful way to communicate your thoughts. And, you know, for example, I, I would encourage people to reach out to to new communities. For example, this this young man who wrote me from, you know, from the Irish Mu Museum of Modern Art, I look at what it started. And now learning what you're doing, I want to take, like I said, the United States is uh, apparently there's this, a contest. And I don't know much more about it. Unfortunately, it was it's run by the government. It's on a government website and it, does, it doesn't have much touchy feely feeling to it. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I don't know what they're going to do yet with the artwork that, that it, um, they've inspired. I'm sure it will be something wonderful, but it encourages me to want to go to our local museum of modern art and say, look at, look at what they're doing. We have a lot of farmers in our estate. Why don't we try to do something similar? Yeah. And that's, that's the value. And I think that's what's happening here. Like there's a, the, you, you, we talked before this interview about like influences and, you know, uh, an artist that I know here in Ireland called Bernadette Kylie, like her work is all about, you know, food and farming and flooding. And, and I know that her work is going to reach an international audience as well, because it's, it's, it's of the time it's of, it, it, you mm -hmm. know, a lot of us have been making work for like me, whatever, you know, 40 years, 50 years, but I feel like this work is, 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 not going to have the the same audience you know until yeah. everybody realized that this is these are the issues of our time and that's why i wanted to make the books because i thought i just want them to be documents and when mm -hmm. you know and yes they've you know they've sold the first one sold out immediately and then i i had to get it redone but um Which i feel like are you talking about the hug or the other the other no, book? No, but the, the, the land the local food project like it's it's like People Do you have that with you. Can you hold that one? Oh, up? sorry, I can show you that. Yeah, that's this is the local food project, but uh, unfortunately, that that's almost sold out. I, I will make another run of it. Um, but it's it's more. Hmm. It's not about so much being sold out, but it's just that when I wrote it, a lot of people were saying like, "Food? Why would you focus on food?" And I'm like, "Because food really? is yeah, <laughs> like food is really as an artist." They were like, "Yeah, oh, I see." An artist and just be focusing on food, and I'm like, "Because food is." Well, I love eating, <laughs> but food is also most so, people do. <laughs> and I think with Bernadette's work as well, Bernadette's been making these paintings that are oh, talk about nostalgia. Actually, this is a postcard it just happens to be on my desk. But say this is one of her images, so you can see these are the cattle in the water. And you know, yeah. a lot of her work is about flooding, so they're not about what some people stereotype of art is about painting pretty pictures. They're actually mm -hmm. really challenging paintings. But I can see like work like that being really in demand so that people, we had an exhibition together recently and it was farmers who came to the exhibition and they sat and they watched the 80 minutes of my film and they looked at Bernadette's paintings and it was almost relief of somebody's uh, talking about this and, and, and gathering. Somebody hears it. Seriously. Somebody hears it and cares about it. Yeah. It's so important. It's so important. And I think you know, that's yeah. galleries, isn't it? That they can, I, galleries are, you know, it's unfortunate because galleries often take a long time to catch up with the current because they're, mm. they're museums and they're institutions. So um, yeah. this year, the, 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 the National you know, um, Collection of Ireland bought seven pieces of my work. But, but oh, they're, really? because, because they're interested in supporting like, work that's looking at climate change. But it'll be another maybe 50 years before the National Collections and the galleries and everything yeah. are making you know, exhibitions about this time. But I think it's a real urgency now that they start... No it's an urgency and yeah and i feel like it's it's definitely helping people who can't relate to this topic you know nobody wants to read a scientific report honestly i don't when i see the new climate change reports come out i they're so upsetting to read and they're not they're not that available either like emotionally or or even you know if you're not a scientist sometimes it's hard to read them and to put it into something and the, the beauty of the film that you made with the, the farmers, I, I know I keep going back to it, but I hadn't realized I, I wrote a book about um, what's going on with people in the South, 
specifics, you know, like in Tuvalu, which is about, a, you know, an island that's sort of disappearing due to climate change and has been for a while. That's what I think when people, especially in the city, like where I live in Denver, Colorado, United States, most people, we are completely other than the storms removed from how current this pro- this crisis is. I was surprised, for example, to see the one farmer having to rebuild his walls all the time, which is what they're doing in Tuvalu because of the ocean currents. But, you know, there's this is happening right now and has been happening right now yeah. around the world. And and we're removed from it. So whatever way we can let people know this is real, this is happening, this is affecting lives today yeah. and and everywhere on the west coast of Ireland and in the South Pacific and in all over. Yeah. And I mean, like the, the thing that gets me up every morning is the fact and, and doing this work is the amount of people in the world who are displaced already. Like there's, okay. as we speak, there's, well, before the war now in, in, in Israel and Gaza, there was 110 million people displaced um, there's more displaced now and and they're displaced because of war. They're displaced because of climate change. They're displaced because of so many different things, but that's set to get worse. And, mm-hmm. and oftentimes the people who are most poor on this planet are living in the most vulnerable places. They are the ones who were forced to live in shanty towns on floodplains or we, we did a beautiful project this summer with refugees from Africa, um, refugees and asylum seekers. And one man said to me, he said, I was a farmer. Like I loved farming and we mm. had 200 sheep, but we didn't have rain for three years. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's here. We need to talk about it. We need to process it using art. We need to share about solutions. Using art is a wonderful, wonderful way to do that. So, so you, you are inspiring people in a global context. Um, and as you, as you look forward though, what do, what do you, what do you see for yourself and for your farm and for your, your personal work? Are you going to continue on doing more art? Are you going to continue growing vegetables oh, on your farm? You're going to stay there. You're there for the long haul. Well, you know, it's, it, it's really nice. Like it's, it's it, over the last couple of months, particularly, I suppose there's been a lot more global interest, like a lot of people connecting. I'm, I'm involved mm. in more global projects, even online. Um, huh. so talking to people, um, but I think for me, do you know, it's really interesting. Like when I was small, like I used to draw all the time, but I didn't have value on them. I didn't think that they were really serious drawings. Do you know? Um, um, yeah, and I realize now that people, the really the simpler the drawing, the more people are attracted to it. And oh. it's really interesting how drawings have actually brought people into my life from all over the world because they seem to transcend. And that's really beautiful. And that to me is the power of huh. art. How, you know, my confidence as an artist, like I'm, I'm now in my 50s and I would still be kind of going, oh, is this good enough? Is this good enough? But like sim- little simple things, you know, um, Little simple drawings. I'm trying to think what's here, you know, um, just simple things can like this one, you know, um, this came to me one day. I was I was thinking about the farmers and I was looking at these, this poor man talking to his cow oh. and saying, you know, where do we go from here? Like, genuinely, where, where do we go? And that drawing, wow. I don't know how many places that drawing has appeared. Do you know? Really? Yeah. So you know, really- it maybe because people are, uh, and I might include myself in this, uh, intimidated by high level art. Do we understand it? You know, what is the artist trying to say? Sometimes, like you said, that cow and that man is like you don't have to guess anything. It is right there for the for the yeah. taking for the understanding. Yeah, and, and you know, art can be anything. Art can be like artists don't have to make work that is you know, simple and understandable. They can make it as complex as they like, but I just felt that maybe in my life, I didn't value what I did enough. I didn't mm. know that it, that the immediacy of what I did could have such impact. Do you know? Um, that sandwich yeah. project that I did years ago, that drawing has just gone everywhere. It was just the simple thing. I picked up a sandwich. I think I have a, a thing of it here. I picked up a sandwich and I didn't know how many ingredients are in a BLT sandwich, Deborah. A bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. Uh, you'd think three with a little mayo. Four, <laughs> Maybe four. Five. Four three. Uh, These were the ingredients. And then I started thinking, I didn't plan to do this, but then I was like, oh my goodness, I started drawing it. And I started drawing the sandwich and all of the journey of the sandwich to think about like all of the people around the world who are impacted in making the sandwich. And so that one drawing has literally gone from 
project to gallery to everything. Really? You know? So it's, it's, I suppose I, what I'd like to say to people is never underestimate yes. the power of an idea. Um, I'm, I, re- I just wrote a short story about Walter, the warlord, you know, so because I'm trying to understand, like, how have we become so war minded and, and why are we spending trillions and trillions on war and weapons when that would feed everybody in the world? I think if they said Oxfam said 42 times over the money we spend on war. So why do we do this? So I've written a, a short story now, just this just last week, actually, on um, Walter, the warlord and um, and how we can maybe infiltrate these systems of war in peaceful ways <laughs> you, you know? know do you you do you use your art to help you understand a problem you know like whether it's that's what you just kind of said like you were struggling with why is this incredibly difficult to understand concept of spending all the money on war and making people suffer and making other people suffer because they don't have the benefit like and you, we grapple with these things. Like, how can that even be a thing? Why would, why do we accept this? Yeah. Just writing and drawing and what all the artistic endeavors that you have filmmaking, do they help you understand it and help you grapple with problems? Um, I think the first thing I need them to do is maybe just to help me process it a little bit. Yeah. To mm-hmm. understand it. Process it. Yeah. But I also feel more and more that, you know, I, I have a voice, like we all have a voice. And I mm. feel like, how can I use my voice? And uh, when I was younger, I was like more of an activist. I was involved in lots of community groups and working mm. around anti-racism work and human rights work. But but I used to get really upset about um, the, the, the the reality of people's lives. And I, yeah. I couldn't separate myself um, enough to be really effective yeah. as a as a as a pure activist. So now I call myself an artivist. So I use art so I can actually create a little bit of a step back where I can hear and I can listen to the the things that are going on in the world. But then my little creative head comes in and it starts going, could we tell this story or could we draw this picture? And they're, they're the moments that I feel like they, people can then hear what I'm saying, I hope, a little bit better because I'm not saying it from such an emotive direct place, but I'm the drawings or the creativity or the art are actually doing the job. So I find that fascinating. Wow, I do too. And I actually, I find it very helpful for, for me because I I also, for example, I think everyone, and, and I certainly am in this uh, category that right now I can't process what's going on in, in Israel and Gaza. I can't, I can't process it. And I've had a lot of history in the area and I don't know what to do with it, you know, because I can't control it. And I think the idea of writing about it to try to deal with it. And then, like you said, I love that two-part process. Your, first, it helps you process it. Then it helps you share perhaps a way of, of dealing with or talking about it or yeah. investigating I drew, it. I drew a picture then, you know, about, um, you know, this thing about people speaking peace, but selling arms. So like the voice is coming on one side, but the, then there's actual arms on the other side of the drawing, like going, you know, we really need that, that thing that Mahatma Gandhi said about, you know, being the change we wish to see in the world. There's no point in us speaking peace if on the other side we're selling arms or we're, we're, we're being warmongering in our ways. And I think for me, I, I, I don't like, you know, when I hear people talk about, you know, the war on, on climate or whatever, I'm like, no, we don't need any more. The war. wrong terminology. Yeah. We need to really think about the words that we're using. And, and that's why I'm really happy with words where I'm talking about, well, how do we reconnect with each other? How yeah. do we build community? How do we really connect with nature? And, and listen to what nature needs us to do, because too many times we're, we're policy driven or, you know, science is very important, but actually the connection and the creativity is, is in my opinion, equally important. I feel like this may be one of the most important conversations I've had all year. <laughs> I, because I do talk to people who are activists in many different ways. I love the word that you coined, artivist. Did you, is this, is this your creation? <laughs> well, you know what it is? I can't claim credit. I used it and I thought, oh, this is a new term. And then of course I Googled it and realized somebody would used it before me. So I, I'm not sure who I should credit for it. I found, well, but I had, I had done a project called the Artivist, and I didn't even realize that it was actually a thing pre-Google. <laughs> I, I love you. Yeah, Pre-Google, the things we used to know pre-Google. Well, anyway, I, I think what you're, what you're demonstrating and how you're living and how you're sharing it is is valuable. You said sometimes you don't value your own, you know, you don't know how, how well your work is or how, how, how great your art is or something. 
trust me, <laughs> you are making a tremendous, tremendous difference. And I think it may be one of the most powerful ways to, to make change is really uh, the way that you're doing it and living it. And in just a hundred percent passion is all going to one thing and it's all interrelated. So um, I, I thank you, you know, I guess it looks like we're probably at the end of our conversation went very quickly for me, but um, I just want to thank you so much. And I want to put all your uh, links on the, on the show notes. So I would encourage people to look at that and follow. And I hope that people can see that your film soon and uh, your future films as well. The, the films will be shown on TG Kahar. So that's, it's, it's literally TG4 is how it appears on the web and people can and look that up and, and hopefully they'll have that player in their, in their area. TG and the number four. TG and the number four. Yeah. It's called okay. TG Kahar. Yeah, so okay. people can see films on that. And Fantastic. if not, they can contact me on my website if they want to um, okay. contact page and they can contact me and maybe we can arrange a screening. Ah, all right. I'm going to go sign up right now. <laughs> all right. Thank you. I, I, I can't thank you enough for this. It's been wonderful and inspiring and hopeful and all, all the things we need, right? So it's been lovely meeting you. And I'm hoping with all my heart that I will be at Earth Rising next year. I'm trying to finally meet my my family in ireland so i've got a few things we're going to try to connect and that's one of them so maybe Wonderful. we'll we'll cross paths we'll see you there that's great thank you so much for your work deborah as well thank you thank you take care